Thanks for joining us today on Two Daves in the Dock. Today, we're going to be talking about doubt, which is a natural part of the PhD process. Let's have a listen. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another uh, episode. I think that's what we're calling these things. Episode of Two Daves and a Doc. I'm joined, obviously, by Mr. David Pollard and Dr. Colin Keough. And today we're going to talk about I know you hate it, and this is why I do it. It's because I love it. Or in the Tarji. Yeah. <laughs> Back to you, Dave, to continue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank. I appreciate it. You know, I was on a roll there. God, how could you interrupt? Um, in any case, we're going to talk about everyone's favorite subject matter today, which is doubt. Early stage doubt, mid stage doubt, late stage doubt. I, we're going to talk about doubt. And Colin, uh, you know, since you are, you know, the wizened one here, I'll, I'll let you. Kind of, I know it's dangerous territory yeah. for all this stuff. Yeah. So he hasn't come in yet, but yeah, no doubt. And I like the kind of pause you had afterwards when you said it. We're going to talk about doubt, and that pause is for anyone that's listening. They're like, oh, are they going to talk about that thing that I've been feeling? <laughs> so, like, I like it. It's kind of yeah, it's doubt. You know, what I mean, it's. These are, this is about PhDs, this is about doctoral studies, and this is a kind of on a grander sense about research projects. Anything and everything, anyone, all of us have done, you guys are trying to do, and anyone that's considering a PhD in the future that they're going to do is going to inherently have doubt, and it's going to have doubt because it's going to be new. You are not undertaking a course of research or doing a PhD on something that's very well understood before. You're trying to push the barriers and you know create new content, so it's only natural during the process, you will have elements of doubt. Now, I would imagine we're going to probably have multiple episodes on doubt because throughout your process, you will have multiple stages. You know, everyone will have the experience just of doubting if they're doing the right thing just as they submit the forms to apply to a program. Is it the right move? What's it going to come in, turn into? You know, what's it going to blossom into? Is it the right decision? Should you be doing something else? That's the pre-stages. And then when you sign up and you get over the initial excitement of now being a doctoral student and been on a program, you'll hit another stage of doubt. You'll have early stage doubt about trying to position yourself. And then as you go along the process, you'll have other periods of doubt before you submit a paper, before you, before you present at a conference, probably midway through when you're getting past your definition stage and getting into your actual research. And then when you come to writing your thesis, you're full of doubt. Is it enough? Is it long enough? Is it good enough? Is it deep enough? You know, yeah. anything and everything. So there's lots of different stages, and I'm sure we're probably going to talk about it at length in the future. But I think at this stage, we talk about earliest stage of day. You know, the beginning of the process. You're on a program, and you're maybe in your first couple of months trying to position yourself and your research in a specific field. And the doubt that might come up, and basically the, the kind of outline is it's perfectly normal. You are going to have that doubt, and you're going to have multiple cases of it. You know, is your research question correct? Is it manageable? You know, do you have the right support? Do you have the right advisors? Are you the right person for it? You know, the doubt is natural in the process. And unfortunately, it's not talked an awful lot about yeah. when it comes to doctoral studies. You know, it's the victor writes the story. You know, you talk about it at the end when you have your thesis and your doctor such and such. You're like, ah, yes, it was great. No, there's periods of doubt. Everyone has them. And I think it's kind of interesting. I've been through those periods. And you guys are probably coming into that period now of trying to refine your earliest stages of your question. So I'll kick it back over to you guys. Are you at that point now where you're doubting? Are you, do you have the right plan in place? 
Uh, you want to go first, David? <laughs> no, take it away, Dev. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 you know, it's um, it's, it, doubt is a is a funny thing. You know, you can couple doubt to imposter syndrome, and you are basically uh, feeling like you're you've got lead weights on your ankles, and you're swimming in a very rough ocean, right? Um, I think, yeah, a lot of it comes into you know, am I asking the right question? Um, you know, it's the little things which turn into bigger things. It's, I, I don't know exactly what I want to do now because all of a sudden you're in there, you know, get that first challenge to your idea, right? You do your first lit search, you do your first, you know, a couple of pages, articles that you read and you're like, Hey, this is a great idea. Then you read that fourth article that all of a sudden says, I've done this before. <laughs> like even in our previous conversations where we're trying to network those little bits and pieces, we talked about our advisors and supervisors, right? Their ability, their insight, where they've gone before, and they suddenly recognize in you that something that's been done and you end up in that space where you're going, I, I don't want to do that anymore. Or should I even do that anymore? Is this exciting to me? Is this everything that I hoped and dreamed that I'm be spending other people's money on, <laughs> you know, like you, you, you fall into that, into that space or quite easily. I, uh, the last four weeks, you know, I've had <clears throat> some initial meetings with my advisors and supervisor and it's challenged what I believe to be the truth. It's challenged what I believe to be my ideals. It's challenged the direction I thought I was headed. And part of this is, good. It's natural. It should be, you should be calling into question your, your deeply held beliefs, right? That's how you even challenge bias. You know, as you go into your research, you have to challenge your own biases. You have to challenge your own kind of concepts of reality. Right. And, uh, I certainly have had that in spades where it's, I want to do this. I don't know how to do it. Is this the right thing to do? So, I mean, that's, that's been absolutely my journey for the last, you know, over, over a month now. So you brought up very good points. This is, it's perfectly natural. That is the process. You know, you are, you started out with an idealized research question. You need to prove it and validate it and justify it. And you do that by, as you said, lit review, supervisors, advisor panels, that sort of stuff, just to make sure you're on the right track. And like, nobody gets it right first go. You know, the idea or the submission or whatever they wrote on their application when they joined is generally not correct, <laughs> even in a very prescribed PhD. So, for an example, if I was doing chemical engineering and I was researching a specific chemical generation production that, say, my supervisor was an expert in and I was doing a new version of that same process, I will have those same doubts. I have to understand it. I have to try and comprehend the information that was created by my supervisor. I might have situations like you you referenced just there. I might spend a month writing and researching and then I can meet the supervisor and then they go, yeah, yeah that's the wrong path at all. Here's somebody did this. Here is explained out for you. Every doctoral process has this. It's in its earliest stages. You know, in reality, you're, you have your training wheels on for like six to 12 months at the beginning of the process just working out what are you actually doing so positioning it is hard and then any sort of truly interdisciplinary project it's even slightly harder because you have to take different backgrounds different advisors different fields different standards and assume kind of like you know core points in a specific area and try and meld them together and sometimes they kind of they butt heads they conflict so you're kind of just teasing your research project out you know it's I think an awful lot of doctoral students in particular learn throughout the process 
that, you know, they start starry-eyed and blue-skyed and saying, I'm going to change and revolutionize the world. A PhD or doctoral studies, you're making a tiny little dent in the global field of education. It takes you a while to realize yeah. that's what you're actually doing, to make it realistic. So, David, over to you. Are you in the same kind of spot? Uh, yeah, I think so, uh, for sure. Uh, I, I can relate to what Dave's saying there around right, asking the right questions. I think the right questions, I, I think we all like have doubt. I think that's going to be a natural process for, for all of us. I mean, like we, we kind of have to embrace it and accept it a, a little bit. And I think we'd probably be doing it wrong if we didn't have it. That's probably the way that I would, I would look at it. But I think then looking at on the, on the flip side is like, you know, going back to the questions, asking the right questions of the right people as well around you like uh, even over the, the last um maybe two three four weeks um i've been going through a complete change like so when you were saying colin about you know what you put in your application versus where you are even like we're what two months in something like that it's entirely different because what i've done is i've gone through the first one and then just by purely reading i've gone oh my goodness like I'm, I'm so far away from correct definitions maybe they're a bit outdated I haven't looked at the, the really up-to-date research. Um, we talked about a lot of preprint stuff uh, in the previous podcast, which was really fascinating, which is where I'm going to be going, having a look at some elements now as well. But from there then, what I did was I, I ended up moving away from kind of more generic topics, which were, were too wide. And like you're saying, you know, you, you're, you, should, you should be starting to narrow it down and, and figure out what that little uh, bump is that you're trying to make a, a, an impact on. And then from, from there, I've actually changed again. So even um, more recently in the last couple of weeks, I, I read one paper, uh, which completely and utterly blew me away. And I was like, that is exactly where my mind should have been at the, like a year ago, two years ago, but I just couldn't uh, frame it. And I think one of the elements with that was even if it'll be different in terms of the research and probably will change again multiple times uh, and, and be tweaked and, and different kind of iterations of it. But it helped me to, to frame my thoughts and it helped me to be able to communicate, which then when I went and met um, our, one of my supervisors, Anna, who's, who's amazing in the space that, that I'll be in, and her, her feedback based on me being able to actually communicate it, which was the very first time I could actually do that. I, I was never able to really properly frame all my thoughts and, and put it on one page and be like, this is my deconstructive plan of where I would like to go and go from there having her be able to validate that and say well yes this is interesting but have you considered x y and z other alternatives and applications and implications as well within it was really really useful for me to go okay well actually that answers and validates some of my questions which removes that doubt but it then adds <laughs> a, a new layer of doubt in where you're going have i have i read enough like have i done enough yeah. um do I even understand it? And should, should I even be where I am at, at the moment, having this conversation with her? Am I wasting, wasting her time kind of thing? But also like uh, it's even just as simple as having yourselves to show over a paper or to show over a concept or an idea and go, what do you think of that? Like, even if it's not fully uh, conceptualized and it's not fully grounded, uh, it's like, do you think, given your understanding of where I am in the process, that this makes makes sense? And I think if you have those little elements and those that kind of network and people, and we talked a lot about networks and, and elements like that, but have little gates for yourself every month. Can you send something new to someone that helps remove one layer out? And then you'll get another one. So, uh, But it just it stops it building up, I think. So that's where we are at the moment. Yeah. So I guess uh, I don't doubt the things I doubted a year ago, but I doubt even more stuff. <laughs> <laughs> That's where I am at the moment, 
it's nearly a nature or a kind of a contributing factor to what you're kind of doing. It's research. We're trying to push the boundaries in a specific field. I personally would never want to get to a position where I don't have a doubt about anything because to me it would be the end of the road. You know, there's nothing else to go on. Like, you know, nobody's that much of an expert that they know everything about everything. You know, that's impossible. So there is always more. You're always going to have new doubts. You're always going to have new areas. You're always going to have new areas of interest. Although both you guys have mentioned is the importance of the people around you. That's what your supervisor's there for. That's what your advisors are there for. As much as anything, okay, it's great. You rely on their expert knowledge because hopefully they're in your field and they're able to help you in your project. But even beyond that, they're there to help you on the process of research and then that process of doing a PhD. So they're there to give you that advice, trying to find what you're doing, trying to find your research question, trying to test it out and tease it. And they're also there to kind of contradict it and like challenge you on it to make sure it's as good as possible. And it's not only just them, it's also your peer network. If you're in a, if you're on campus and you're in a research group or a lab, let's say, hopefully somebody in the world is at this stage, you know, mid COVID working with other people, I crave yeah. it so much. But you know, it's, if you're there, your peer support network are there as well. Float your ideas past them. You know, see what they think, get their input, internal fields, external fields, other universities, other countries, other regions. You know, it's it's your journey. It's, you ask other people for help on that. And once you're honest about it, you're kind of good to go. Everyone does have these periods. I can recall some some kind of cracker self-doubt periods <laughs> throughout the time. Like, you know, it's at the beginning trying to position so to give an example when i started mine i was like bright-eyed and ambitious and said i want going to completely cover distribution of this the disruptive technology to the fields of business engineering uh, stem and social impact that's 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 a hundred years worth of work you know what i mean it's madness <laughs> right. it's absolutely mad it took me time to get comfortable in it refine my question and it probably took me about 12 months before I really knew razor sharp what my question and goal was. Now, of course, I was working towards it and I read all the papers and I read all the backgrounds and I was writing and publishing to support this idea, but it wasn't clear for about 12 months into it. And, you know, luckily some people hit that in the first couple of weeks. Other people, it might take a couple of years. You, you kind of, you hit it when you hit it. And if, if it's causing you consternation or problems, pull in extra help to kind of do it. Yeah, I, I think one of the best things that happened, my uh, chair, Dr. Nolan, kind of um, <laughs> tossed something out. You know, we were talking about pilot studies, right? Which is one of the challenges that my my panel had asked me to, to kind of look at. And he's like, you know, you got to do it because we don't usually publish failures. We don't usually talk about failures, but knowing whether it's going to work or not is hugely important. Now, that's it's it, it's that kind of perspective. You know, it's not something you ever want to hear. I, I don't want to fail. But isn't that scientific method anyway? It's you're testing a hypothesis. You're trying to determine whether or not there is any stickiness in this. And I think that's a lot of, you know, I face this in my daily life, you know, my work life, you know, this, this abject fear of failure, right? Because we, we, we tend to look at it so, you know, you know, ensconce, right? Like, I, I, I can't fail. I can't do this stuff. And I think that's, that's part of this process, right? It's just refining it. It's understanding like, oh, you know, David, to your point, like all of a sudden that light turns on and you realize, oh my God, if I went down this path, I would actually fail. And I fail miserably at it because I wouldn't get to the place where I needed to go. And, and 
I think it's great to have people that are willing to have that level of honest conversation with you too. I mean, again, you, you both have been <laughs> challenging to, to, to even my stuff. Like, Hey, listen, I'm having a problem. You know, we've had um, Dr. O'Neill and, and Dr. Smith on here as well. And you being able to talk to them even through these processes and say, Hey, listen, you've done this. You've gone through this, this, this dark Valley of introspection and understanding. Oh, does this make any sense at all? You know, and I think you also have to let go. One of the, you know, at least from my background and doing the more, you know, psychology related things, you also have to really let go of the idea that other people are your metric for success because that'll kill you every single time. I know we've talked about it before. I am never going to beat your record, Mr. Keogh. <laughs> I'm not going to even try anymore. And here's the reason why I had unconsciously set that as my bar of entry. I had unconsciously said, Oh, if you did in three, I can do it in two years, 11 months, 29 days. So, you know, whatever, but we do this, we do this to ourselves, right? We, we, we choose an example, you know, we have that relationship. We have that friendship. We have that, that ride or die mentality about this stuff. That's why we do this, you know? Right. But we also have by virtue of that we've put ourselves on these individual pillars and said, Hey, I can, you know, if he can do it, I can do it. All right. And we, we've kind of walked away from the idea that we're responsible for our own journey. We're responsible for doing that. It's a hard lesson to learn, especially for someone who on, you know, outwardly says, I don't like competition and inwardly holds myself to the chariot wheel. Right. (laughs) I think it's impossible though. Like it's one of the the most natural things in the world. You know, if you see two people walking down the street, you will naturally compare them by whether it's height or whatever it might be. Uh, We, we, we will, we will do that. Or we will look at ourselves beside someone and we will naturally compare ourselves to it. It's why there's such a huge problem with, with things like social media. And even if we look at it from just body image elements and things like that, but within this space as well, maybe there's like a, I don't know if it's academic image or whatever you want to call it. Uh, we can coin a phrase and, uh, and do that. 100% there is. And I think it has been in that field long before it was in popular culture as well, to be honest. I, I think so. But look, you look, uh, and, and I think it's always, a. Um, I think if you can kind of like work through it, it is hard because you do have to then embrace it and kind of go, look, what am, what am I doing here? Uh, but I think there's always going to be like a natural competitiveness between um everybody like especially in our space because we're all like we all like to think that we'd like to do something really cool and we're all looking at at each other kind of going oh what are you doing oh that's really interesting that's exciting Uh, i'm trying to like take ideas and work ideas too and go from that but on the flip side there's like a huge um within certain competitive elements you can create like a really positive competitive environment and by doing that acknowledging and kind of like just showing out there like you like you're doing i think then it, it removes all the negativity from that that could potentially uh, that that could bring in the stress because it opens it out and it kind of makes it into a, a more I guess fun uh, element to it and I know I mentioned fun within this space before and everyone laughed to me but that's that's okay but like I, for the same for myself like I will look at, at uh, the work that that Colin's done you know uh, especially around publications like that's an area that I'm like I haven't put out one yet at all so that's kind of something I mind and I'm like how do you do that? Like how, like I might set my goal to be like, I want to publish something, but at the same time, I shouldn't be stressing about, um, about someone else doing something. I should be trying to like learn from that, pull in from that and, and get ideas from it. I think that's, what's been really positive about this experience is that it's kind of taken that out just by purely doing it with yourselves. And um, it's kind of allowed us to build up a little bit of a, a hope for ourselves to kind of go, you know, this is this is the reality of our situation and our mindsets, and I think that's okay too, and it, and it's accepted, which I love. 
I think that's been really great. And that that would be kind of my recommendation. Honestly. Try and build yourself a little support network. You know, it's I, I constantly feel for people that have had to struggle through a long, tumultuous PhD process on their own. Now, they might have their supervisors and their advisors, but they may actually be in another country. They may be too busy. They might not have the contact hours that they need. So building that sort of little support network. And to reference what both of you guys said, you know, David, if you wanted publications, you can find the people to help with, like give you the rundown on publications. You know, you'll pick it up in no time. Dave, when you were saying trying to uh, finish in the same time I did, that is not me putting it up to you. That's me <laughs> trying to say to you, I have as much faith in you as I did in myself. Exactly. You know, that you have the capacity to do it. It's a supportive network. And I think in a lot of cases, the doubt when, that people have in their doctoral process comes from maybe a blurring or a distortion of that message. They might see us, let's say, supporting each other and making these comments probably in jest in public at an event, but they don't actually know or see the support that goes in behind it. So, you know, is trying to measure yourself that day. Yeah, you just assume the doubt is natural. and uh, Be comfortable in the fact everyone at all levels of this research space encounters this doubt probably more regularly than they're willing to admit. But this doubt can be helpful, and then they rely on their own networks to kind of do it. So yeah. you have yeah, a term, think, and, yeah. yeah. Go, go ahead, Dave. No, no, you well, fire ahead there. Uh, well, I'm okay. <laughs> we have this. Yeah, we have a term uh, called FUD: fear, uncertainty, and doubt. Right? We use it in competitive sense. Right? You know, we're going to strike fear, uncertainty, and doubt into that person's message. But how much do we do that to ourselves? Right? We we set ourselves aside <laughs> and we go, all right. I have a fear, you know, that I'm not going to complete on time. I have uncertainty about my topic. I have doubt to the nature of why I'm even here, right? And we do this. We, we do this constantly, right? Uh, to your point earlier, David, there's no way to fully remove the competitive or that, that um, let's say, level of introspection or, or perspective on things that we do, right? The two people walking down the street, so on and so forth. It's not there. It's how you categorize it. It's how you look at it. It's how you typify it or simplify it down for yourself. Like I can say, you know what, that's a good metric for me to understand, but it can't be my defining metric. I can't say that this, these things are going to be done. I got, got the question the other day on my panel, where are you supposed to be at in, in this process? I'm like, oh, geez. I don't know. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. And being able to say, honestly, I don't know. And be able to walk away from that and say, I'm okay with that though right now, because I don't have that clearly defined. If I don't have my question defined, or if I don't have, you know, some of these foundational elements done, I shouldn't be trying to push myself in a place that I'm not, right? So that, that was my interstitial there, Mr. Pollard. No, no, I, I agree with, with everything on that. And I just... I guess when you're working in certain spaces and you're you're looking at new things and you're kind of on the edge of of you know research or whether it's work or whatever it is, you're naturally going to end up being surrounded by people who are maybe a step ahead or you know even years ahead within processes have different experience, different skill sets. It's a natural thing because you can't do everything. That's just the reality of it. But I think it's again you know that that perspective is is quite interesting because if you can look at it. And say, for example, we've got, you know, those two people walking down the street and you see, well, one's taller than the other. And you can, you will probably put yourself somewhere in there. Maybe I'm in the middle, maybe I'm uh, at one end of the scale. Uh, but you actually don't let that then define what you're doing. You're just saying, okay, but that's, that is what it is. But it just, it's not, it doesn't turn into the, the reason or the motivator, the driver, uh, the conviction, whatever it might be, that is 
bringing you forward because uh, in a lot of cases especially if we look even from like a, a learning perspective we look at pedagogy actually if within certain elements of competitiveness especially in uh, ecosystems or environments that uh, have brought in this competitive nature but not in a in a kind of conducive way or in a in a in, a, in an open manner uh, it can actually be a really negative element to uh, progression and learning and and all of this uh, that you, you you would want to happen so in, in our stage i guess we're going through a learning process and a, and a building process so by if we if that's there it, and i think for anyone listening to it as well is, is to try and maybe acknowledge where that is in their uh, journey as well and to kind of go okay well how can i either flip it, remove it, or, or, or just acknowledge it so that it takes away any of the, the stressors of the variables that would be uh, a negative impact on, on your progression and uh, moving forward as well, because actually could end up kind of stalling you or, or stopping yeah. you from, from at some point in, in, the, in the process. Definitely, definitely. Like it's, yeah, I think we've kind of covered it quite well at the earliest of stages. So like on the kind of cap, uh, what's it, capstone notes would be you are going to feel doubt you are going to be doubtful about the process at multiple stages if it's in your first week your first year or your first five years it doesn't really matter when it happens it's worth identifying what the doubt is and then leaning on your support network your advisors your supervisors and your peer network to help answer those questions if that doubt comes up it can be useful it's prompting it's your brain prompting you to question the specific aspects to maybe try and find the answers to unanswered uh, unanswered questions it's perfectly normal. The doubt is to be expected. Don't be afraid by it, uh, of it. Don't flap it for the curves and just kind of use it as a beneficial element to progress your research further because that's what it is. It's you, your brain, or the process, or your supervisor just kind of saying, we don't think this is right yet and prompting you to do a little bit more digging to get through it. And to be honest, having been through it, you do get there. You get these revelationary moments, you know, it might take hours, it could take weeks, it could take months. You will get there. You know, so even the police in Boston now will support us there with that kind of siren. Oh, that's not me. That's <laughs> <laughs> the police in the middle of Offaly. <laughs> the there you go. So they will kind of do it, but no, that is the that is the kind of that is the kind of. That, there's some kind of unconscious on. bias there, Dave. I don't know what that is. <laughs> a little bit. Sure, pick on the American. I see how it is. I mean, just to bolster your point, I always bring up my mosaic, right? Um, this thing has been used and abused more times than I care to count. But you're filling in this, you know, every single bit of fear and doubt. It's a color. It's it's a, a broken piece of glass, if you will. It's it's something that kind of rounds out the picture. If your final product is this, you know, your thesis, your dissertation, whatever, you know, this is ultimately what you're you're aiming for. But you can't get there in one stroke. You can't get there with one piece of glass. You can't get there with, um, yeah without trying and breaking a few things and trying something different does that piece fit there you know you have to you this is the process of refinement there's a reason why i keep the stupid thing around and it's precisely that because it becomes this kind of living example or embodiment of you know yes this is going this is a process of a is a journey of a thousand miles if you will and we'll get there you know like and having to free yourself from that so to echo every single other point you know doubt can be useful that can be challenging it can be what you need when you need it right and yeah you just have to let yourself believe that it's heading you in the right place so that's it the perfect analogy to end on the mosaic well that and the fact that it's a beer <laughs> and uh, 
I mean, it's seven thirty in the morning right now, but I kind of want a beer. <laughs> so that's for later. <laughs> All that to be said. Have it later. Yeah. Thank I you know. once again for being a part of this, guys. Uh, well, you know, every week is a joy is a joy with you, but don't be afraid. Doubt is not going to drive you into the ground. It might drive you to drink, but that's a, that's a story for another time. that as well if you can. Like, yeah, we, we want to do that. <laughs> so thanks again, <laughs> Colin and David, for your, your insights this week and uh, look forward to the next conversation. Thanks for listening to Two Daves in the Dock. We look forward to having you for our next episode. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.